I'm Amelia. And I'm Sophie. And welcome to So Ma So Good, a Fruits Basket reboot podcast. Here we talk about the second season of the Fruits Basket reboot. We try and keep it spoiler free, but sometimes we slip up. So if you're avoiding spoilers, please check the episode description for timestamps. Um, this episode, there is some spoiler topics we're definitely going to talk about, but we're going to do a sort of spoiler co- uh, corner at the end of the episode, and we'll leave the timestamp for when that stops or starts uh, in the content description of the episode. Yeah. I don't think content description is the word, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get into it. Yeah. But my very first thought was, like, isn't it fucked up that we can't buy those fireworks here? Yeah. What do you What do you mean we can't buy those fireworks here? Oh, well, it's actually it's a state-by-state thing. I can't buy those fireworks where I am. Uh, They're, like, illegal. We have to drive to Pennsylvania. Wait, which, which like, the, like, the fire, like, the, you can do, like, the snake, Like, the right? ones that, like, go off. Oh, yeah, we can't buy those in Chicago, but everyone just drives to New York, or not New York, no, everyone drives (laughs) (laughs) They drive 12 hours. My brain is off right now. No, they drive to Wisconsin or Indiana Uh, to buy fireworks, Um, and so it stops literally no one, and every 4th of July is hell, because everyone is lighting off, like, huge-ass fireworks in their backyards and shit, and my dog just, like, shits on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. <laughs> Every year, without fail. Do you think Sugar Ray hates fireworks? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> that's why he's not down at the beach with them, is uh, yeah, he that's hates why. fireworks. <laughs> but, yeah. Wow, starting that episode off on a random note, sorry. That's just what I was <laughs> thinking about when I was watching it. I was like, how come Momiji can buy these and I can't? Also, can't you? He's under 18. How do you buy? No, like... I know, he's like 15. <laughs> uh anyway my only note about the cold open was like everyone is like oh toru sorry we like had to ditch you like the entire vacation and she was like i'm so touched that you would even think about me at all and i'm like toru you need to have higher standards like it is sweet that they apologize for this but like you don't need to cry (laughs) like she really she really has a hard time being bitter about literally anything at all. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter if something shitty happens to her. Like, even, like, she's not bitter at, like, literally anyone about this. She's like, this is fine. I have no problems with the way this went, except, and I'm just like, Toru, girl. Girl, um, raise the bar. I guess she did you get to have better. lots of alone time with her man, so. True. Uh, <laughs> uh, she still needs higher standards. She does need higher standards. It was cute. Mogeta is the best part of Fruits Basket, hands down. We love Mogeta. We love Mogeta. It's like, I, I also love the character design of Mogeta and his permanent, like, weird expression. Uh, yeah. Into the first thing of actual substance in the episode was the Toru eavesdropping in on um, Kyo and Momiji's conversation, which was fun because you get to see Momiji stop performing and in a genuine conversation, like, cause, and you can see this, like, you can, it makes it really clear the way that this scene is voice acted, that Momiji is most of the time performing a character of himself instead of acting, like, out any of his actual honest reactions or feelings, um, 
and down to having like a, he does a character voice but you see him drop this when he's talking about Kyo talking with Kyo mm-hmm. and I think it's also it's fun to see that he like we know that I guess on some level I think like some of the characters feel kind of guilt for involving Toru in their lives even though they know that after high school they're gonna probably be inevitably separated from her but it's interesting to see Momiji um have like say like it's selfish of me to want to be her friend and like build these memories with her when I know that I will probably inevitably hurt her because I'll have to like be stuck back at the Soma estate and then see that reflected back at Kyo or you see Kyo kind of have that same feeling I was actually gonna say the opposite because the last episode kind of ended with him being like I'm gonna enjoy the time I have with her and so yeah yeah I don't but know. like you putting like Momiji's like thoughts in that way is interesting he's he's he says I'm selfish right like his words yeah. is like I feel like I'm selfish for wanting to spend time with her and mm. I guess you could read it as like you could also read it as like his unrequited feelings thing, um, where it's is like he are you talking about Kyo or Momiji? Momiji. Okay. Um, where it's like he likes Toru and he maybe thinks it's selfish for him to try and steal her attention for himself when he knows that she doesn't like him in the same way, I guess, or ha- or she's cl- like has feelings for other people because Momiji. I don't. Momiji is very perspe- perceptive as a character. And you see this before, but you see this really clearly in this episode, that he's very good at reading people and reading what's happening around him. And so maybe you, I guess you could read his, like, interpretation of wanting to spend time with Toru as selfish, as like, I should let her, it's selfish of me to keep her to myself when I know she likes someone else. But Mm. I think it could also be read in the sense that, like, it's selfish of me to want to build this relationship with her even though I know it's going to inevitably cause her pain. Do you think that Momiji already has feelings for Toru? Yeah. At this point? You do? Okay. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. I don't think about Momiji as much as we do. <laughs> we're both rabbits, so we have a kinship. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I uh, agree on the where you're talking about the voice acting. Um... I thought that Luigi's voice actor killed his monologue, and yeah, I, I liked how, yeah, I liked the choice of his, like, natural voice. Yeah, and I, I thought it was perfect that you see when Toru, like, sneaks, like, jumps in and, like, is like, hey, it's time to watch the episode, he immediately puts his, like, kid voice back on, and you can, that, like, it makes it really clear that, like, this character, this sort of, like, cheerful, bubbly little kid thing he does is, like, a deliberate choice he makes about the kind of character he's portraying himself to be. Um, yeah. And how he lets very few people into his actual head. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, Momiji's such a good character. I'm, like, so excited that we're, like, I was really excited for this episode because I think that, like, this episode is, like, kind of the first time we see what Momiji's character arc is going to be, and we'll talk about it later in the spoiler cor- spoiler corner. But, um... Yeah. I was excited to see, like, the beginnings of his character arc, because I, mm-hmm. his character arc is actually one of my favorites in Fruits Basket, even if it's not, like, in in the front 
I guess. I think it's, like, you get some depth to his character in the first season where he reveals, like, his tragic backstory, and you're like, okay, he's not just this goofy kid, he's also, like, extremely traumatized. Um, but I think that, like, later on is when he really, I think, becomes a very interesting character with a lot of- he's not, like, super prominent in the story, but just with, like, the little time narratively dedicated to him that he has, I think he is, like, very multi-layered and interesting. I agree. I had- this isn't about Momiji, but it's the same scene- I thought that, like, Kyo acknowledging that, like, he and Yuki are, like, on the same side, uh, I think is, like, really good character growth. Because he never would have admitted that him and Yuki were, like, you know, together yeah. in this a season ago. I also, you know, now that you say that, like, it's, like, you see, I think it's, like, this moment where Kyo, like, we were talking about earlier how Kyo is bad at playing the game. And now he's finally starting to catch up to, like, the machinations that are happening and the kinds of things, the kinds of decisions, like, why people make the decisions they make. And I think part of the reason Kyo has so much conflict with Yuki is he doesn't, he hasn't understood the why, why Yuki does the things he does. But now he's starting to grasp the situation a little better. And I also thought it was interesting when he's like, you know, I was mad at you guys, but I get it now. And then Momiji is like... I don't know, like, we're also saving our own skins. Mm. Um, yeah. Like, maybe don't pat us on the back too much. Um, yeah. It was, it was it was good. It had flavor. Yeah, that was a good little <sighs> scene. It does have flavor. <laughs> <laughs> My only note on the thing in between this and the Shigure Akito scene is Toru be rallying. Because uh, you see- What do you mean? She's just, like, she's starting to be, like, I want to do something. Like, she's just, like, oh, chilling, yeah. watching anime, and she's, like, hmm. Yeah, hmm. I, I actually wrote the, the, like, the same thing, pretty much, was that I like that. It, it's almost kind of like a, like, the thesis for the episode. Yeah, like, that you makes see sense. It... It's, like, her saying in the beginning, like, I want to make a change, and then at the, the end, arriving to the conclusion of what that change is. Yeah. Um... And then we jump into a really uh, fun, spicy scene. Uh, it was fun and spicy. <laughs> with, we love an Akaguri scene. Um, it's just whenever you put Shigure and Akito, well, I say Akito be because of the first anime, and it yeah. gave me brain damage, and now I mispronounce their names constantly. Um, Dude, <laughs> we are not very consistent <laughs> I at yeah, the names, it's but it's because we both grew up we both grew up with the original dub. That's the reason. Yeah. So, um, sorry, guys. It doesn't guys. matter. <laughs> if you're this far into our show, you'll, you've already tolerated it so far, so. <laughs> um, but, Akido, uh, whenever you put those two in a room together, it's, it's spicy. Yeah, every time you put Akito and Shigure in a room, it's automatically, like, so spicy. Uh, it's also extremely tense. <laughs> always, always. It's always I, so they're tense. Like so good at communicating the tension between the two of them. Oh, it's so good. Um, what was I even gonna say? That I loved the moment. Um, when their conversation gets interrupted and they just both freeze for a moment. Yeah. It's, it's like the tension oh. is thick. 
they do a good, they also like I like they did a good job with like uh the shots in this scene too where like you see them like in this big empty room in the corner it's like they're starting to actually like use negative space sort of the way that they use it in the manga which I really love because it, it just it looks good it feels good it looks great and it has, um and then they're in this like dim it's like they're the lights are off and it's just like weird ambient lighting and they're just kind of like huddled in the corner like the freaks they are i love that oh. <laughs> yeah i the <laughs> lucky takaya that japanese rooms never have any furniture in them <laughs> so she can yeah. get that effect japanese rooms just be empty but yeah i the framing of this scene is great like i love how um like she does use or the, the, not she takaya um, they do use, like, the negative space, but the way that it's framed, it's very just, like, it's just the two of them. Like, and that's, like, all the scene is about is just the two of them. Uh, yeah. So I liked, I liked the way it was composed. And I also like, like, I feel like this is probably, like, the first time, one of the first times that we see Sugar Ray, like, not be able to completely hide what he's feeling. Yeah. Shigure is extremely good at hiding how he's feeling, but you can tell that he is not happy about what Akito says to him in this scene. Yeah. No, he's pissed. And we know, well, I'll save this for the spoiler corner. Yeah. It's just a subject that he doesn't like it when Akito brings it up. <laughs> yeah. And also just like the, you're not kind enough to me, you can see that this is like, he does yeah. not appreciate that. He No, he does not like that Akito says that to him. Not at <laughs> all. Like, it's it's one of the things, it's like, you can, normally he's pretty good at, like, steering the conversation where he wants it to go, and being mm -hmm. able to just, like, he, he has a, he's good at predicting what Akito's gonna say to him, and being prepared for that, and knowing how he's gonna, like, dance around it. But this time... Like, you can tell it, like, catches him off guard and upsets him, and now he's, like, kind of scrambling. Um, yeah. And he he's, like, he's too upset to really bother controlling himself the way he normally does. And I think it was, yeah. it was just, like, I also just liked the way they, we always be talking about the body language, but, like, I liked how Akito was, um, like, tur facing away from Shigure and just, like, kind of slouched over. And Shigurai's having their normal conversation, whatever, back and forth, until Akito then is like, you're not kind enough to me, and then turns around and stands up over Shigurai, like, while Shigurai's, like, still sitting down. It was just, like, it was really good. One moment I also liked a lot is in that scene is when, so, like, they get interrupted by a knock on the door, and it's Kureno. And the shot that they use, it's an over-the-shoulder shot behind Akito showing Shigure's face. And just the whole motion of the knock on the door and Akito getting up, walking over to the door and opening it. It's all static on Shigure's face the whole time. <sighs> and I think, like, oh, it's so good that you can actually see oh. his reaction. Because the show, a lot of the times, will hide Shigure's, at least his eyes, if not his entire face, during, like, times where he's probably trying to hide his emotions but like he he's so 
put off by what Akito just said to him that he just can't hide them. And so I like that the camera shows us. And also he knows it's on the other yeah. side of the door. He's salty that Corona was there, obviously. Yeah. He's so it's like it Corona shows up and he is he hates that. And it's it's the first time. It's like you can see that like No, Shigure I feel like you can tell that they guy. don't that like, Shigure hates him in the scene. Uh, I don't remember what episode it was. I think it was seven when Shigure and Hatsuri have a scene with Akito and Kareno is already in the room and and oh, you can tell yeah. that I don't know. I think you can tell that like Shigure has some sort of issue with Kareno. He he's just being, from that. Yeah. He's True. being glib though in the first time. Like the first time it comes up he's being very glib and kind of joking around like, "Oh, wow." Da da da. It's like he sounds like kind yes. of like <laughs> he sounds bitchy. Like he's like, "Really? Oh my ser um but this time it's not like him trying to hide how much he's upset by being bitchy and glib. This time it's just like he is straight yeah. up just like, fuck this, fuck this guy. And I think that's fun. I think it's like, this episode does a good job because like, Shigure is a character that very rarely shows how things affect him mm -hmm. and seems pretty carefree. Like, and very like, what doesn't seem to be particularly bothered by anything and thinks things are funny and seems like most of the time he's just kind of like goofing around and like mm -hmm. what like watching the drama pretty unaffected but this is the first time you see that he actually really cares about something it's like it's the first time that betrays how like betrays his investment yeah in something really really clearly and how how everything isn't just a game to him you know and i oh i also the the look Kareno gives Shigure at the bottom of that scene. Woof. Oh. Woof. They do not like each other. God. They really don't. But yeah, Shigure looks big fucking mad at the bottom of that scene. We'll talk about this scene again later in the spoiler corner. I loved the way yeah. that I really liked that they, I don't, remember the manga very well just because I read it like a year ago that was the last time I reread it I like that they showed us that Akito I Akito reacting to Shigure mentioning Ren this is not the spoiler corner we don't know who Ren is why Shigure keeps bringing them up but Akito is clearly very tortured by this person and I like that they included that in the episode and that Akito like can't cope with whatever it is they are not coping with it no they immediately start losing their shit and this is what pushes them to like change and climb out their fucking window to go like confront toru they climbed um, out the window i think so because it's like they go into the room and you see them change and then you see their clothes on the oh. floor and then someone goes in looking for akito and akito's gone so i think they climb out the fucking window i didn't realize akito wasn't there when Kareno opens the door that's how i read it yeah the moment where Kareno like opens like that moment when Kareno opens the door and it's just this huge shot of Kareno like very small in the background and akito's clothes on the floor in the foreground uh, I, I I wrote that I really like that how the visual language like constantly reminds us how isolated Kareno is and like take like that shot and compare it to the shot we were talking about earlier with the negative space with Akito and Shigure and what I was saying was that like it's just the two of them like it's all about the two of them but with a shot 
like that with Kareno, it's he's so isolated. Like I don't know. I thought it was like a good. Yeah, and this huge it's just room. him, and then like I like the angles that they choose. Like when they do that, like mm-hmm. they they do a lot of the like big room characters very small in the background and like the floor bigger in the foreground they do it a lot in fruits basket but i think it looks really nice it also it shows a good contrast like bringing up like how you see like the scene with like shigure and akito together in this whole room is it contrast with like okay this is a scene and they're both really invested in each other but then you see this where it's like kareno alone and then akito's clothes so it's like Kareno is tied to Akito, but Akito doesn't really give a shit yeah. about Kareno, like, in a deep way. It's just, like, Kareno following them around after whatever Akito leaves for them to deal with. That's a really fucking good take. <laughs> On the clothes. Thank you. Um, um. <laughs> and I liked that there was, like, no music in that, like, after Akito walks out of the room of Shigure, there's no music until the next scene and uh that was fucking awesome i think that was a good choice Mm -hmm. and then we jump into this the the fucking meat of this episode in my opinion uh, yeah which was like the confrontation or akito rolling up to the house where everyone is there it was, it's like, yeah, you see Momiji spot Akito. This is, again, where I, like, Momiji is very perceptive. Momiji is like, oh, shit. And immediately, like, immediately knows what's up and then goes outside. And this is, like, I think such a good character moment for Momiji because Momiji immediately reads the situation and immediately makes the decision. Like, the in, the decision he makes is... Akito's here, Akito's pissed, Akito's here to see Toru, and Momiji's like, okay, I have to stand here and get the shit beat out of me. Because he doesn't, he thinks Toru's still asleep, so what he yeah. thinks he's doing is he's just going to take this abuse instead. Like, he fully knows that Akito is going to beat the shit out of him, and he's like, it's only because Toru shows up that, that, it, that like, he gets punched in the face and that's as far as it goes. But, like, I think Momiji's fully prepared to get, like, hospitalized when he does this. Yeah, well. Like... I think you're right, yeah. Because Momiji's not gonna fight back. No. Because Momiji can't, really. And... No. Like... And it's... I also think it was really... Fun, where he's like... Momiji comes says everything, like, explains, basically explains the situation to Akito, like, hey, why are you here? You're upset. You want to see Toru? I don't think this is a good idea. And Akito's freaked out because Momiji's like, oh, Momiji immediately knows what's going on. And then it's like, so Akito becomes more, because Momiji plays this naive character as a way to kind of protect himself and seem non-threatening is he Mm -hmm. makes himself seem like a child and much younger than he actually is, so people don't take him seriously. But now that he's betraying how much he actually understands, he's immediately a threat to Akito. And I'm going to talk about this more later in Spoiler Corner, but, like, all of a sudden, Momiji stops being a kid and starts being someone who's perceptive, who can read Akito, and that terrifies Akito. and And also just, like, so Akito's already upset, now Akito's freaked out, and now Akito's gonna beat the shit out of Momiji. And Momiji's like, okay, 
I'm here and I'm the only person that can stop Akito going on a rampage and really hurting Toru, so I'm going to, s like, he stands in the way, puts his arms out, and is like, I know I'm going to get the shit beat out of me for this, and I think it was a good moment for Momiji where you see him as a character that was doing something pretty dramatic and, like, intense. Uh, uh, going off what you said, actually, it was making me think about how Momiji in this arc is usually with like the kids like in the mm -hmm. past like, couple of episodes he's been with like Hiro and Kisa um but yeah. at the end of this episode he's with Yukikyo and Toru so like I think like it definitely is like a very like character defining moment of moving him from like being like a kid zodiac to being like one of the older teenage zodiacs mm-hmm and like dealing with yeah. the issues that they all they have to deal with that are a little more mature than the issues that like Kisa and Hiro have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, Akito point. hits him fucking hard. That was a note that I read. Yeah. No, Akito he fits fucking blood. punches him in the face. Like yeah. punches him in the face. That's why I think like I think Momiji thinks he's about to like get sent to the hospital. Momiji probably would have gotten sent to the hospital if Toru hadn't yeah. stepped in front of him. And then, and then, Toru, like, just, just Momiji's luck, Toru happens to, like, have trouble sleeping and is like, you know what I should do about this? Take a walk in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's convenient. <laughs> Extremely convenient. Um, That's okay. There's, mo there's okay. more convenient things in Fruits Basket that bother me more. Yeah. And then we see... I, I like the mirror of, I, or not the mirror, but, like, you see Momiji and Toru make the same pose to protect each other, where in the beginning, Momiji mm. stands out in front of Akito with his arms spread, and then Toru jumps in between them and does the exact same thing. There's a lot of repetitive, like, body language in this episode. Other than that, too, I'm glad you brought that up, because um, mm -hmm. the, um, the shot of, like, the way that, like, Akito is holding Toru's face is pretty much the same as what they were doing to Shigure earlier in the episode. Um, yeah. And I also thought that the shot, like, the full-body shot um, of, like, Akito grabbing Toru by the face and, like, kind of, like, pulling her forward reminded me a lot of the shot in season one when Akito visits the school and is talking to Yuki. Mm -hmm. um, like, it was, like, the similar, if not the same, um, body language yeah. from both of them. Um, yeah. I, I like that they, like, and the whole, like, the way that Akito grabs them by the face, it's very, it's very controlling. Mm -hmm. In a way that, like, totally disrespects, and this is Akito in general, totally disrespects the other person's personal space. Yeah. But that's very Akito to disrespect other people's personal space. Extremely. He, he's treating her like the way he treats the Zodiac members in this or yeah. he's, he's trying to do the same sort of manipulation the same sort of like because it, it, it's also a possessive thing to like grab someone yeah. by their face it's very like much. in this situation it's very threatening and gross but it's also like what you might do if you're going to kiss someone like it's the same yeah sort of, like there's an intimacy to it even though it's like super violating um yeah. in this context um but i i think that's like so, why it's so controlling Mm -hmm. is because it's so violating yeah and so i think this is like in some ways akito doing this to toru 
is Akito acknowledging Toru as someone who's genuinely become part of the situation. Like, before, Akito doesn't want to acknowledge that she's there and a presence at all, but now that she's there and she's, like, at their fucking beach house, like, at their family beach house and friends with everyone and everyone's, like, clearly pissed that they can't go hang out with Toru, like, Akito's, like, has to kind of acknowledge that she's become an element of the- like, she's- she's- she's part of this now. And so now- Mm -hmm he's treating her like she's part of this and the way he does that is by the normal ways of threatening and uh manipulation and violence i also think that the episode did a good job setting up like visually and also like character motivation wise that that akito is toru's foil Mm -hmm. and like there was a couple shots like one of them that i really liked that i thought did a really good job like kind of expressing that is the uh, shot reverse shot of close up of Akito's eyes close up of Toru's eyes mm-hmm. um, thought it looked so good and that yeah I, I think it did a good job communicating like the character positions getting the plot in position to move forward and how each character interacts with the plot there's also specific wording in this see scene that I really, really liked, where, um, Akito says, calls the curse their blessing, Mm. and I thought that was such, like, a, like, a good choice, where it's, because, like, consistently all the way through the story so far, it's always been called the curse, but then you see in this confrontation that Akito calls it their blessing, and I just thought that Mm -hmm. was such a good, like, moment and way to, like, show the way Akito is viewing this, um, yeah. in some ways, and then also, it's, I like, I like this metaphor of the eternal banquet as sort of, like, a representation of the cycle of abuse, like, Akito wants to trap them all in this, Akito wants to keep them all the same, like, uh, Akito has been miserable and hurt, and that's the way it's always been and Akito is going to keep it that way because otherwise Akito is alone yeah um it was just it was good I like yeah I like I like the way they deal they take this like story that like I grew up hearing um as like a kid and I think it was it was a fun version it's they do a she does a a a good or like it's it's a fun metaphor she uses to take this, like, very, very well-known, like, folktale and turn it into this, like, metaphor for generational trauma and cult abuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What else? Oh, I like that Toru, Toru for the whole scene is, like, backlit by the house behind her. Which I thought was, like, mm-hmm. an interesting choice because usually, I guess usually you would, like, backlight someone if they were in the wrong and frontlight someone if they were in the right, but it's switched. Yeah. And I like that. I'm not saying, the the, the, the lighting design is not telling us that Toru is in the wrong and Akito is in the right. I think it's pretty clear who is in the wrong and who isn't. Um, but I, like, I don't know, I thought it made it, like, a lot more dramatic and it puts Toru in a much, like, darker place than she normally is, I think. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just, like, thinking out loud. 
Maybe that's why they did it. I don't know. I like the lighting design of Fruits Basket. I think it's very smart. It's gotten a lot better recently this yes. season. Too. Also, I love or this I didn't love their they translated so in the manga uh, Akito calls Toru a little bitch. Um he's or he's going like uh oh uh I was so kind. You're a, you you are not nice. And I and being nice to come and visit you, which is, I love, I just, I love the way Akito talks about themselves, like they're a benevolent god, and just their presence is a gift, it's... Yeah, Akito thinks extremely highly of themselves. Mm-hmm. Even though their presence is, like, a, th- a menace. <laughs> and, but, and a I think best. in the, in the anime, they've translated this, like, you're a little bitch instead as your scum um and i think they probably did this for like uh censorship reasons just like or i don't know like i don't know what fruits basket is rated but they haven't sworn i can't Mm. i don't think they've i think keel gets to say damn um yeah but that's not that's like soft yeah Uh, so i don't know how i don't know like what the the censorship rules as far as like language they're working with are but i think that changing it from a like gendered abuse to um scum which is just like it's sure it's like disrespectful and it's like you're nothing to me but i think that you see this pattern where octo is way more violent generally speaking with female uh, characters than they are with male characters, um, with the exception of, like, Hattori. Um, mm-hmm. and so, cause, like, the two characters that have gotten hospitalized so far are Rin and Kisa. And so, and, like, Akito has issues with women. Specifically in, like, crazy jealousy about, like, other women coming in, and, like, women coming in in, uh, taking attention away from them and so i think making this this insult non-gendered was like takes away some of this like reoccurring aspect of akito's character so that's just my no i I completely agree i agree and i think that yeah they should have they should have went with bitch but because i think it's important to like lay out early that akito is a misogynist yeah because akito is a fucking insane misogynist <laughs> absolutely um, hates women uh, hates women <laughs> like vitriolically um, yes and so yeah so then the scene moves on to toru realizing who and what akito is and i thought that the framing device that they used for that was fucking awesome which was kyoko's voice um with a pretty cool effect i thought the sound design in the scene was amazing um, Kyoko's mm-hmm. voice echoing the first words of the Zodiac story, and, like, I felt like I had the same reaction that Toru did. I was like, oh my god, like, Akito's the god. Yeah. <laughs> like, just from the be- those, like, you know, the very beginning of the story, um, I thought it was a really cool way for Toru to have that revelation. Yeah, it was good. And it, it brings, it, it, it gives you that feeling of, like, 
she realizes that it's not just the animals that are in this curse. It's mm-hmm. also the it's also God. Um I I I remember in the manga that Toru thought that Akito was the bird for a lot longer or yeah. something. There was a bunch and of like, I also think red that herrings. They... What? There was also I think more red herrings in the manga about Yeah, it than that's there were. I was about to say, because, like, Akito being the bird was a huge red herring. Like, I remember really thinking Akito was the bird when I read it yeah. uh, for the first time. Um, and also, well, they did take away a lot of the, like, the, the border imagery in the manga. Obviously, probably couldn't even have even been translated to animation in a very uh, smooth way. But there was a lot of mm-hmm. black feather imagery for Akito in the manga that contributed mm-hmm. to the red herring that Akito was the bird. Um, I wish that they, they also, tell us... Akito always had, like, weird... Like, a bird on their face Like, a bird. Constantly. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, like, chilling with, like, a bird on their hand was, like, super common. And so it was, like, really heavily foreshadowed that um, Akito was going to be the bird, except it was, like, a red herring. And then... And now that imagery of Akito keeping this little bird on uh, their hand has, like, now, it, with this revelation that uh, Kareno is the rooster, um, has a totally different meaning looking back, yeah. which I, I think is fun. Oh, good jumping off point, what you just said. Uh, Akito has a lot of hand imagery, just in general. Yeah, I really, like, I like how much hand imagery they have, and it's a lot of, yeah, hands around faces, hands, like, trailing down people's, like, like, the, their chests or something. Um, I don't know, I think it, like, implies, like, control, Mm-hmm. Very much so. It's like hands are what you use to manipulate things and mm. push them around, and it's like, we have opposable thumbs, and it's what kind of got us where we are today. <laughs> and also, um, it's it's like the kind of, I don't know, Fruits Basket doesn't go in the way that um, some uh, manga and anime does with, like, Christian imagery. That for some reason, like sometimes, like you see that where they just like it looks cool, and so they're like, let's yeah. get some Christian stuff in here, or they're like, let's bring in the Kabbalah. Um, but uh, <laughs> well, Christianity has a lot of hand imagery. It's like yeah, and it's like hand of God. Like it makes me yeah. think of that, like the painting with like uh, the the you know the reaching and uh, the yeah, two yeah. hands, yeah. Mm-hmm. God's in a big brain thing, anyway. Um, but the I like the yeah. idea of the hand of God, and then having lots of focus on Akito's hands. I think is good. Well, maybe they should have put more Kabbalah in because hand of God is the hand of God is like a a Jewish thing. Yeah, and they I don't know, and they use it a lot, and they use it a lot in Evangelion, which is a show with a lot of hand imagery and a lot of Christian and Jewish imagery. Yeah. I was raised by ex-Catholic, so I know jack shit about um, the Bible or <laughs> Judaism. But although uh, I guess I kind of like that, like so much of the focus of religion in Fruits Basket is like Shinto. Yeah, which has it's just like a different kind of imagery. Yeah, I I I don't I don't need a bunch of Christianity up in Fruits Basket. I think no. I think it's good as it is. Um, I mean, Agreed. well, it's, Fruits Basket isn't exactly good as it is. I have many problems with Fruits <laughs> Basket, but uh, the lack of Christian imagery isn't one of them. Uh, yeah. 
I like it's probably on purpose. I think a lot of like uh yeah. Fruits Basket is about the like conflicting traditional to modern yeah. um, aspects of like modern Japanese life. I mean you see that like it's it's super like deliberate where you see yeah. that the Soma estate is this super traditional like Japanese fucking town there's a bunch of them a bunch of buildings but it's like gated community um and then they have this (laughs) uh and then they're using this weird family system that was that no longer exists in japan um Mm -hmm. that's been carried on kind of secretly into the modern day uh and so you have this contrast of and i think sort of this i don't know i don't know that much about Japanese history, you know more than I do, but, um, I was just thinking about where they're talking about this eternal banquet, and Akito's going to take them all there, and he, like, wants to keep them trapped in this, like, traditional area. It's, like, sort of, like, very, I don't know, like, anti-progress sort of Mm. idea of, like, yeah, uh, very resistant to change, and I guess very resistant to to and then so and then you see the same thing where it's like the soma state is totally resistant to westernization um Mm -hmm. um, i think it's i think it's interesting that we do see this uh this visual resistance in the soma estate to um anything western but you don't see any racism against momiji Uh, (laughs) even though he's half german i thought and i feel like that's the kind of thing i would expect to happen to him like yeah uh akito there's no doubt in my mind that akito is a racist (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it just like it seems like he like of course he would be like so um (laughs) and you see you see in like fucking other animes like uh i don't know i always remember when they called tamaki like a half blood or some shit i think it's like it's hafu Half, it's half, but yeah. with Japanese, it's half. Yeah, I um, was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, but so oh, going back what, to what you were saying, also about like the architecture and the like resistance to like modern Westernized Japanese society, um, is that even like in this episode, like on a micro level, like the teens are staying in like a Western style house and sleeping in Western style beds. And the mm-hmm. annex that Akito is staying in is a completely traditionally Japanese house with tatami yeah. mats and everything. Like, Akito won't even stay in the Western-style house. Mm-hmm. And we also, like, very rarely see Akito in Western-style clothes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Next scene? Harukyo, Yuki? Yeah. Oh, right. This. Um, they fucked up translation in this, for one bit. Yes, they did. Uh... They, Yuki says the lines like, oh, I guess I she line. feels pathetic too. Oh, yeah, you can say it word for word. Yeah. Then. Basically, Kyo says, like, uh, I'm, I can't believe I couldn't go out and help her. I'm so pathetic and walks out. And Yuki, the, the correct line is, he thinks he's pathetic sometimes too, huh? But the line yeah. in, the, in the Crunchyroll sub was, she thinks she's pathetic too. But he's talking about Kyo, not Toru. He yeah. thinks he's pathetic. Um, yeah, I like that Yuki and Kyo be realizing stuff about each other in this episode. Yeah. Like, Kyo realizes in the beginning that, like, him and Yuki are actually on the same side, 
and Yuki realizes at the end that he has more in common with Kyo than he wants to admit. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's spicy. You get to see them yeah. start to realize that they they they're in this together. Yeah. They should they're they're in this together. Um I thought this was a good moment of like Haru Haru has to physically restrain Kyo. Um Yeah. But uh of like this continued theme or or it's not theme, but like this show explores a lot of different aspects of abuse and how a big aspect of it is like it can be really hard to help people and to protect people who are in this situation. Um, especially if you're also in the situation with them. So, you see this idea originally explored with, um, Yuki and Ayami, and their relationship where Ayami has all of this guilt for not being able to help his brother, um, and also, like, choosing not to is part of it, is, like, he. And then you see this continued then with Rin and Haru, where they're trying to protect each other, but, um... They they don't really there it's but it sucks like Rin breaks up with him to protect him is my is and so it's like and they're both trying to like protect each other but by doing so they're also hurting each other or mm-hmm. deliberately accepting pain uh, yeah and so it's it's this like and then you see again with Toru being in this. Sh- dangerous situation with um Akito and all of them are like can't are powerless to go out and stop it and because they're also like trapped in this situation and I think it was also fun that Momiji's the only one that can act in this situation yeah um like he's the one that has to go get help um Mm -hmm. and he's the one that initially tried to stop it from happening at all I liked, I noticed in this scene that there's a lot of um, open door imagery throughout the episode. Like, we see a lot of things. We see a lot of shots that are through, like, a partially opened door. This scene was one of them. And I, I liked, here's, like, what my interpretation of what that was, is that, like, we, Toru now understands the root of the problem like like that what the curse is that akito controls them basically like mm-hmm. to some extent um and that kyo is going to be locked away which i think is the first time that she learns that kyo is going to be confined yeah but we the audience knew that yeah um and so like i think that like this whole this interaction that toru has with akito is basically like the door opening to her being able to settle on like her main like goal and character motivation for the series and like it also yeah it just this this whole arc was about opening doors yuki's opening the door Mm -hmm. to confronting his trauma kyo is opening the door to realizing what he feels about toru same with homiji um so i liked the imagery was good I liked it. That's a spicy take. Love Thank that. You. Thanks. Um, <laughs> good analysis. Thumbs up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. This is it's it's a good way to sort of it's like yeah, I mean Beach House arc is all about setting everything in motion and getting every character kind of on their warpath. 
Um, mm-hmm. And this is like the final sort of character that they need to set in on the direction she's going for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And this was like a good episode to sort of like have her in this last position like realize what everyone else is doing, sort of. Like, she's, like, all of these other characters are battling this and trying to do these things for themselves. And now I have a goal, too. Um, Yeah. And it's a fun contrast to the beginning of the season, which started out with all of them really stressed and aimless at the idea of the future. Mm. Because, like, the very first thing in the first episode of the season was, like, they were all freaked out by having to, like, make career goals, because they're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do about the future, and now we get to the end of this season, and maybe it's not necessarily like, oh, I know what I want to do with my life, but now they all have a purpose. Yeah. They all realize, they all have something they're working towards now, and I think that's, it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's the transition from, like, season one, which is, like, very introduction-heavy, into season two, where we put the actual plot into motion. Yeah. Um, Toru Amiji, forehead touch. So cute. One of my favorite panels in the manga. Love that they included it. I love how quickly and, like, easily Toru straight up lies. Oh, I know. (laughs) It was really fun. It's like the first time you see her do something kind of like, I don't know. She Like, all the time she's just being usually very sweet and direct and earnest. And all of a sudden you see in this episode, now that she's starting to, like, I don't know, Toru's got plans now, is she can lie without flinching at all. Totally. And then she's, she, first she lies, like, without hesitation and totally believably. And the only people, reason they know she's lying is because they saw it go down, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the kids, like, Kisa and Hiro probably believe her, no problem. And then she turns around to Momiji and goes, right, Momiji? Which I think is, like, so funny. And, of course, he's on board, because he also, like, he knows what she's doing, and he has no problem with uh, scheming. We love, Momiji loves to scheme. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, but I thought it was so funny just to watch her, like, lie and then be like, don't snitch. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what happens. Um, It was just, it was a really good Toru moment where all of a sudden we see her, like, making these decisions and all of a sudden like now Toru's got plans and she's moving doing things herself which is really fun um, yeah I also thought the the art when, when the moment like Toru says like I'm going to break the curse I thought was very beautiful the silhouettes of them yeah. on the beach I like I there before I want to there's like I want to talk a little bit about like Toru whatever uh, there's just just a quick breakaway into there's a couple fun goofy things that just happen while they're on the beach that I think are quality like I like the moment I, I would like to shout out um everyone's favorite dad uh Kazuma where he's like just like Kyo was like oh yeah I've done fireworks I told my I told uh Kazuma that I had never done them before and then we did them together and I'm like it's just cute to think about Kazuma with his like funny adopted son saying depressing shit to him and then he's like oh fuck this kid has had a bad life uh time for to like fix this shit and like give him the experiences he's supposed to have as a child um i think it was just like a good little moment of characterization for kazuma where he's like 
you just kind of have to think about him back when he was like a weird young father to an adopted highly traumatized kid like Mm -hmm. i don't know how old he was when he adopted kyo but he was probably pretty young I think we've talked about this before, and I think we settled on, like, early 30s. Late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. And... Kazuma's not that old. I think he's, like, 40, 45. Something like that. And so, he's just, like, all of a sudden taking on this weird kid that's, like, extremely fucked up, and he's like, oh my god. Someone, someone get this kid some fucking sparklers. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we have to do normal- (laughs) It's time to do normal kid things, Jesus Christ. Um, and then I also, it has one of my favorite sort of running jokes, uh, in the series where Toru extremely cheerfully and nonchalantly talks about the crazy shit her mom did, and it's <laughs> just like, uh, uh the delinquent blood. Me? Yeah, delinquent <laughs> blood. Like, they all, like, periodically forget that Toru's mom was in a gang, but then she brings it up and she's completely unfazed by it and everyone's like, I always forget and then you always say shit like this. And it's so just good. so funny every time. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, earlier, before this episode actually aired, Sophie sent me a Tumblr post about where one character is like, I challenge you to Agni Kai and then hands them a hairspray and a lighter and then we and she said this is Kyo and Haru and then in this episode it airs where Haru like, oh my god I didn't even tried that to shoot him with fireworks and Kyo was like do not fucking shoot me with fireworks you dumbass <laughs> I love the Kyo Haru dynamic Haru is always like They're let's so fucking let's funny. fight and Kyo is like can you please stop being an idiot <laughs> boys oh. will be boys they are the definition oh. of boys will be boys they were so much. I love how Kyo's the reasonable one in that dynamic, too. Where, I know, like, it's so funny. he's, like, the hothead. But, like, and it's not that Haru is ever being, a, is usually being a hothead with Kyo unless he's, like, gone black. It's just that he, like, loves to mess with Kyo. And Kyo is like, please, I'm begging you to stop being a shithead. <laughs> so Haru, good. I I wrote in my notes, like, I'm so obsessed with Haru. I don't fucking remember why I wrote that, but it's true. <laughs> I am obsessed with Haru. He's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Truly one of the um, best. I think, and then we have, uh, we see, we get to see a little bit of Rin-Toru parallel right at the very end, mm. where, uh, Toru, or you see Rin watching them all from a distance having fun on the beach, and she's separate from it, and it's very much, like, I think what this is implying is, like, Rin is sacrificing being able to be a normal teenager to try and protect them and let them have this. She's like, I don't get to do this, but I want them to be able to do this. And so I can, like, save this for them and fix this. And then you see later on when Toru starts going on her, like, monologue, where she starts being like, I want them all to be able to keep doing this. Like, she's looking at them all having fun on the beach and shooting off fireworks, and she's like, they should be able to be free and keep doing stuff like this. They shouldn't have to be confined. And it's this, like, very direct parallel between her and Rin. That's an awesome Um, take. I did not think of that. Yeah. Then she does her monologue, and she's like, I'm gonna break the curse. Um, and I think her very last line is perfect. Her very last line in the episode, I think, is perfect and sums up what she's doing and contrasts her to Akito really, really well, which is, the exact line is, I want to protect the path they walk on. Mm. Um, 
And I love that she says that, and it's not, she's not saying, I want to protect them, and I want to yeah. keep them safe. It's like, she wants to protect their ability to, like, live their own life, and their, she wants to protect their freedom and their agency and their ability to be people. And it's this, like, contrast between Akito being like, I want to trap them in a house, and Toro being like, I want to protect their freedom to live their life. And I, I love the specificity of that, where it's not just, I want to protect them, it's, I want to protect their freedom. Yeah. Your takes are nuclear today. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then we had the little the little baby scene at the end with the, the, the teens. The teens. Uh, well, I, first I said that I really love that Yuki just kind of, like, offers Toru his feelings without... <sighs> like any like provocation he's just like this is what i'm feeling right now um so i i like like just how much yuki has grown like just in this one arc alone is like amazing i love it and i and it like totally makes sense it's so well written uh yuki has the best character arc in first basket hands down (laughs) (laughs) um and i also like uh i love how 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 delighted yuki is to mess with kyo at this point like i think like yeah like Yuki's always a little, like, delighted to mess with Kyo, but, like, in the beginning of season one, he was doing it because, like, he knew it would make Kyo mad, but I think now he's doing it because he thinks it's funny. Yeah, he seems to be, yeah. like, less malicious and more yeah. teasing. Like, before it was, like, he- it's less, like, I want to hurt Kyo's feelings and more, it's funny to fuck with Kyo. Um, yeah. Is true, it is fun. I also, I love that it's, like, at this point, like, Kyo is making fun of the fact, or Yuki's making fun of the fact that Kyo clearly has a crush on Toru. I know, it's it's so funny. (laughs) He's like, you want to sit next to Toru? You want to come, you want to come be next to her? Uh, And Kyo is like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. (laughs) Please stop. I love when when Kyo comes over and he's like, I'm gonna get my own seat. And, (laughs) And Yuki, like, crosses his leg and he's like, hmm. He's such a priss. I love him. He's so fucking prissy. Crosses his arms. Look, crosses his legs. Hmm. <laughs> so cute. I love him. Uh, um, shall we move into the spoiler corner? Yeah, spoiler corner. Uh, hi guys, welcome to the spoiler corner. Where <laughs> we talk about where we talk about shit we know because we know the whole story already. Um, <laughs> from reading the manga. Uh, so. There's two, there's, I, I think we have two general topics of spoilery, which is Ren and Momiji. Um, yes. So let's start with Ren. Um, I would like to say that I love how every time Shigure is forced to be aware of Kareno, he has to turn to Akito and go, I fucked your mom, shit lips. And that's on healthy relationships. It's so bad. It's like they're constantly like shoving the fact that like, because they're both so jealous and they're both so possessive and they're constantly antagonizing each other with the fact like they have sex with other people. And, um, I, it's just the, Takaya made the boldest choice possible having Shigure fuck Akito's mom. 
<laughs> Every time I think about Sugar Ray fucking Ren, I feel like I took a tab of acid or something. Like, every time I remember, I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> Sugar Ray really thought, Sugar, like, Akito sleeps with Kareno, and Sugar Ray is like, I have to do the worst possible thing I can think of. I mean, he is, did. I, can you think of he, anything worse than that? No! Like, not only does he fuck Akito's mom, but he fucks Akito's mom. Like, abusive mother that is the person that Akito hates the most in the world. Um, and if I'm remembering correctly, he also does it within earshot of, of Akito. Oh like, she's, like, two doors down or something. Uh, Ren is two doors down from Akito, I mean. Uh, and they live in a paper house because it's a Japanese house that's so made of paper. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Absolute fucking Yeah, every insanity. time I think about it, I just completely spiral. And I think it's so funny that... Sugar is constantly bringing it up. Yeah, because it, it 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 happened before, when, like I for, like, him and Hattori are walking up to visit Akito, and they're talking about Karuno for some reason, and Sugar is like starts bringing up Ren because he's pissed because he remembers Karuno fucking exists, um, and this is when he's being like very glib, um, but then this time it's like they're in this more intense moment. And Karuno walks in and uh, is like, hey, there's pro- trouble at the estate. And Shigure is so pissed. Because Shigure is pissed already because Akito said you're not kind enough to me. Um, which is also kind of in reference to Shigure fucking Akito. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that it was in reference to that. Partially, at least. And then, so Karuno rolls up and is like, hey, trouble at the estate. And Sugar is like, oh, is Ren causing problems? Did Ren do something? Hey, remember Ren? And I'm just like, oh my god, do you want to fucking die? <laughs> like, the fact that Agito didn't kill him. Because I, I think it's completely within, like, the, the scope of reality. I don't know what fucking words I'm saying right now. It's within the, like, things Akito would do. Kill Shigure kill for fucking Sh- their mom. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think I think Akito has the capacity for that, considering the the attempted murder at the end of Princess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I also constantly um, forget about. Oh, yeah. I yeah. fuck the attempted murder. Um, the attempted murder at the end of Princess. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. he stab? Yeah, he stabbed Kareno, and then. Yeah, yeah, he just stabs Kareno. I don't even remember why, though. Neither do I. And I I think I missed, like, for when, it wasn't until I reread it that I remembered that Akito doesn't push Toru off the cliff, because, like, the way I remembered it is, like, Akito pushes her, but it just, like, conveniently just falls, and Akito's like, ah! That's Um, a very convenient thing in Fruits Basket, but, um... Yeah. Uh, well... Yeah. So that's on Ren. Ren. That's on Ren. Man, I um, cannot fucking wait for Ren to be introduced. It's probably not even going to be into the third be... season, but holy shit, I'm going to lose my absolute mind. Fruits Basket really goes kind of crazy. Like, at the end, yeah. At the end, it just goes, like, insane. And it, like, it kind of to a bad extent where, like, all of a sudden it's, like, it's like she's doing a bunch of, like, weird dramatic shit and then, like, trying to also, like, wrap up every single storyline and something yeah. heterosexual. And it's just like, why the fuck are- <laughs> why is yeah. this happening? Who's together with who now? Excuse me? <laughs> like, um, 
Yeah. And then there's but... ten year old and then there's ten year old me reading reading all this. <laughs> trying yeah. to figure out who's sleeping with who in the Soma family. And also I still thought they were all actually like blood related. Yep. God. Still it's like ten, like I guess Japanese people just have sex with their cousins and that's just how it is, and I'm not judging them. <laughs> For listeners who don't know, who don't know, they're not actually like blood related. I don't know. Yeah, I think we brought this yeah. up in the first episode of this podcast, yeah. but um, technically, yeah. <laughs> but if you say it's not technically incest, it's not great. It's it's not. <laughs> <laughs> if you have to say it's not technically incest, mm, a little ha- hairy, but like whatever. <laughs> we're dealing with it. It's just a yeah. part of the show. You have to cope. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway. So Momiji. Along. Momiji, I love this. Oh. I love this rabbit. Um, I think that this episode really just, like, you start to see, like, the foreshadowing of Momiji being the character that Akito can control the least. Mm. Like, Momiji seems to have the highest ability to resist Akito, which is, and then you see this, like, also directly paralleled as Momiji has the most resistance to the curse. It takes mm-hmm. him a hot minute to transform when he hugs Toru. Um, which is like, yeah, and they point this out, like, the curse is weakening for Momiji. And I think it's, like, it's a really fun way that they're dealing with this, like, curse as a metaphor for abuse and control is that, like, because Momiji is able to have more agency and stand up for himself and stand up against Akito then he's also, therefore, res- more resistant to the magical qualities of the curse. Um, yeah. Which is, I love that. I think, like, it helps, and they said this in one or two episodes ago, that Haru says to Momiji, like, remember, like, Akito doesn't like you. Yeah. And I think that's definitely, like, a contributing factor, and if it wasn't, I don't think they would have brought it up. Mm-hmm. Um... I think it's also, like, part of the why Momiji is constantly performing a character, um, is he performs this naivety, um, Mm. and hides how much he understands constantly, and I think, like, by demonstrating to Akito his perceptiveness is, like, scary to Akito for a couple reasons, because then it means, like, maybe Momiji know, like, Momiji can tell what's happening, uh, because, like, I think maybe like Akito might be aware of it too it's kind of unclear but then it also like part of that is like uh Akito is hiding the fact that uh they're not a man um mm. and so this like demonstration of like oh you think you know me like could be mm. like an expression of fear at the fact that like Momiji might be able to tell like Momiji is perceptive Momiji's good at like understanding people and this is very threatening, and the idea that, like, Momiji could say things about me that could shake people's understanding and possibly, like, weaken my control over other people is, like, a direct threat to Akito. And Momiji then conceals the fact that they're a threat by pretending to be a kid. Pretending to be way more much, le- way less mature than they actually are. Yeah. Um, Actually, interesting that you brought that up. I, I feel like the whole, the mortifying ordeal of being known is very Akito. Yeah. Like, I think, just, not even just, like, the gender thing, just, like, the whole, their whole thing. Yeah. 
I think, is yeah. about the mortifying ordeal of being known. I, I, I think yeah. that's a lot of the characters. Yuki is definitely like that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the idea that someone could understand that Akito... No, don't, it's like, yeah, there's the gender thing, but also the fact that Akito is hiding the fact that they are so scared and so mm. lonely and so desperate to be loved, and the idea yeah. that Momiji could read this is terrifying. You're right, exactly. Yeah, so. Ah, I love Momiji. I love I my know. perceptive little rabbit. I was um, so excited for this app. I, I'm ready for like, Momiji's character arc. It's like you see these little glimmers earlier on, where he's like he can really easily sort of get what he wants out of the other characters because he is good at reading them and he's like and it's like that moment where uh he goes off to like manipulate Kyo into coming to like the haunted house or something with them and he's like oh Toru's gonna be there or whatever and Kyo's like you don't need to do this like I'm gonna go and he's like oh shit I didn't even <laughs> need to weaponize my knowledge of your feelings against you. <laughs> good thing Momiji uses his skills for good and not evil, like some yeah, people. Momiji, I think Momiji is, like, one of the more manipulative characters in this thing. It's just that Momiji yeah. is, like, good. It has nice. good intentions that, like, yeah. set apart. It's like, Momiji wants to be free. Momiji's not a serial people. abuser. Yeah. Like everyone Momiji else in Bruce Momiji would be very powerful if he was evil, but thankfully yeah. he just wants people to be happy and yeah so he's like engineers situation he also like I, he he engineers these kind he engineered this situation at all he was the one that got everyone to go to the beach house mm-hmm. like and he likes to he's he's very much like part of what is drawing all of the somas together it's like earlier they mentioned how like they don't spend a lot of time together like this and they hadn't before but you see throughout the series that Momiji engineers a lot of these, like, we're all going to go to the haunted house together. We should all go to the hot springs together. We should all go to the beach house together. Like, he's he's deliberately strengthening their relationship to each other. And then kind of unifying them against Akito, which is fun. He's Yeah. He's a clever bunny. I love him. He's a good boy. Wow. Yeah. And that's the last episode of Beach House. <gasps> oh my god. Student council. Student council. Oh my god. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's gonna be, like, kind of, like, tonal whiplash to go from, like, all of this really intense shit to, like, Kakadu being a... <laughs> not, like a... Like, fucking, like, mean... Or, no, what's her name? Uh, the girl. Machi? Machi? Ma- not Machi. Uh, Kimmy? Like, the flirty one. Kimmy. Kimmy, yeah. We're gonna have to go from, like, this to Kimmy. Which I'm so excited for Kimmy! (laughs) I'm so excited for her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least with this arc, it's uh, Yuki realizing that he's gay. (sighs) That's what the student council arc is to me. Um, Should we wrap this up? I feel like we've been talking for a really long time. Yeah, no, it's (laughs) longer than it normally is already. So, yeah. yeah. So we have the spoiler corner, but yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, mm-hmm. thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Tumblr at Soma So Good. If there's anything you want to ask us or any topics you want us to discuss, just hit us up on social media. Thanks and see you next time. Bye! <laughs>